Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilan. We are naturally talking about the Adani stock saga today. What else is there to discuss? And what we're going to talk about is the clean chit by the Supreme Court appointed committee, which we're going to call the expert committee or EC, and how this raises questions and creates a worrying new t- template for investigation. Now, why am I saying it's a clean chit? Because one of the first things that happened after this report was made available to the litigants was a WhatsApp from the Adani group, which said they have got a clean chit by this expert committee. Let me unravel all that for you bit by bit. So here's how it starts. The Supreme Court appointed an expert committee and it has given what Adani group thinks is a clean chit. And in fact, it seems like They're correct. And the way it appears is that two months complete investigation through an expert committee appointed by the Supreme Court. Remember, everything finally winds up in the Supreme Court. So when a Supreme Court appointed committee gives you a clean sheet, the investigation is all but over in two months. Submitted its report and all you need now is the final stamp, which may happen in August because the Supreme Court has given SEBI that much of time. Now, on 6th May, this expert committee submitted its report. It had been told to complete it in two months. On the dot, it submitted it. What is this report about? To my mind, it's a masterly point-by-point legal case for exonerating the Adani Group as well as the market regulator, while also suggesting that if the letter of the law were to be followed, There's no case for repeated and never-ending investigation just because SEBI is suspicious that some transactions don't look okay or some actions don't look okay. So you can keep investigating and you can talk about the spirit of the law, but the letter of the law has been followed and one should not really go on based on suspicion. None of this is very explicitly said, but that is the underlying message in para after para of this 173-page report. It's got a nice explanation for the sharp decline in Kia Adani stocks. I mean, what more can a corporate group want? So those of you who are new to this, I wonder how few of you listeners are, but this committee report was a consequence of a report by Hindenburg Research of the US, which was titled, Adani Group, How the World's Third Richest Man is Pulling the Largest Corn in Corporate History. This was published on 24th Jan of this year. It talked about the various things that the Adani group had done, apparently after two years of research, and actually collated from stuff that was already published or available in the public domain. But this actually punctured the relentless rise in Adani group stocks. They've been going on and on and on for years, 5,000% in one, 1,500% in another, just crash landed and there was extreme volatility for a few days and things have settled down. But typical of India, since it was Adani, political connections, people rushed off with public interest litigations to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court responded by asking SEBI to complete an investigation, said what it wants, had to be done in two months, didn't leave it to SEBI alone. It said six-member expert committee headed by a retired judge would provide an overall assessment of the situation 
including whether there had been a regulatory failure, which means this committee was also going to look at the regulator's role, which it has, and the alleged contraventions of law by Arani companies and make suggestions to strengthen the regulatory framework and investor awareness in India. This is a report that's come in exactly two months. As an aside, I must tell you that the committee has made several excellent suggestions that could improve SEBI's performance and also make things a little less dangerous for investors who are struggling with an overload of disclosures and also talking about SEBI, prioritizing things, how it's, you know, quasi-judicial function should be separate from rulemaking, all wonderful stuff. Nothing to do with Adani, which was the chief focus of not only the Supreme Court, but this report. So this video blog is going to stick to the Adani issues alone. The rest of it, we can take up separately at various times in different reports. On 20th May, all this burst into the public domain because litigants were made available. This report submitted on 6th May. Like I said, the Adani group was first off the mark with media and social media influencers to say, clean chit on three counts. One, no evidence of price manipulation. Two, no evidence of violence violation of related party transactions and norms, and three foreign portfolio investors who invested in Adadi have made full disclosures. Have they? We'll come to it. Point is, whether they have or not, apparently there's nothing punishable. How did this happen when the relentless rise in Adani stocks has been open knowledge among top-level market participants and has been clearly listed as manipulation. And what is better proof of manipulation than the fact that it crashes so badly when something unsavory is poured out in the public domain, like a research report? This fails what is called the smell test. Everything is above board. Why should it crash, right? Or crash so much? But that indeed is the beauty of this expert committee's legal arguments. It makes the case on why it may not be possible to set for SEBI to come up with findings that would indict Adani because it may not have passed the spirit test or the smell test, but the technical legality test apparently has been passed on all kinds. I don't know if it was ever the intention of the Supreme Court that this committee would be like a legal defense on what should be and should not be and what SEBI should be doing, but that's the kind of report that it has got. And that's well within its brief. So like, let's look at the process. Remember almost everything that Hindenburg Research said was in the public domain, then stocks crashed, no significant buying for months after that. But the EC is pointing out that market volatility is not something that one should worry about. And the extent of it in India also was not unduly worrying. Adani stocks indeed crashed, the market re-rated them, and things have settled down. The Adani group also helped by paring down debt, cancelling a big fundraising plan. So as far as that is concerned, all is well. In fact, all is more than well, because after this report, the stocks are shooting up. On related party transactions, it's an example of the kind of legal uh, explanations that are there throughout this report. On related party transactions exposed by Hindenburg, the expert committee says the Adani group need 
whatever the Adani group has done, which came in for so much of criticism from Hindenburg, all that need not be an action that is considered desirable, but it was legally in line with the rules as they existed at that time. So the market has factored in the seriousness of the allegations. It agrees smell test is not passed. That's like it. Stocks have come down. But legally punishable? No. Because it was in tune with the laws at that time. There's a lot in the report. After all, it's 173 pages to say which rules, what happened, why, why was it changed, how this works. But that is for legal arguments. We're going to leave it giving you the bottom line on everything. In a similar vein, the committee has legal arguments on why public expectation that SEBI should investigate price manipulation, beneficial ownership, or even the big issues related to related party transactions are not going to lead to a guilty verdict, given how SEBI has changed its own rules and the group has always been technically, legally compliant. For going into details, let's look at the larger picture this throws up. In the normal course, an investigation as big as this, large corporate group, don't forget, third richest man in the world with huge political connections and political dimensions to it, there would have been multiple investigations. There would have been a joint parliamentary com committee set up, which the government has not allowed, but there would be multiple investigations for sure, by SEBI, by the Enforcement Directorate, Tax, CBI, all these would have dragged on for years. In most cases, the officers themselves would be on a learning curve, so it would just go on and on. This one is stunningly different because the report tells us that the ED and the tax department refused to get involved in the investigation when SEBI asked them to because they said SEBI did not make a prima facie case of wrongdoing, which, while making a reference to say, come and please investigate, some of these things are in your domain. This is again very interesting. The ED is a very, very busy organization, apart from investigating activists, NGOs, women activists under the Prevention of Money Laundering Act, not to mention daily raids on industry. When the extent of violation is so big, it doesn't want to get involved because it wants a prima facie case. Yet, the ED is not staying out of it either, you thought it was. The ED intends to pursue one factor, which is four foreign portfolio investors and a couple of others who apparently had built up substantial short positions in Adani stocks before the Hindenburg report was released and must have made a killing. You would love to know who these are. There's no mention in the report, but there is a submission from the ED to this committee that they are going to get involved only in that bit of the investigation. Now let's look at the clean chit business. First, price manipulation. On price manipulation, I'm not even going to go into details. I have told you every time in my video blogs that SEBI has this wonderful online market surveillance system which tracks everything that happens. Why did it not track four Adani stocks that rose so much as to make Gautam Adani the third richest man? We don't know, we will not know because even after an expert committee, which tells us there were 849 alerts, which led to four investigations, two before Hindenburg and two after Hindenburg. But apparently, nothing of this manipulation can be traced back, not only to the Adani group, but even to these 13 controversial 
FPIs, which SEBI is focusing on. And I'm going to come to those 13 after a while. But basically, the committee is saying, don't bother to chase anything much. You may be suspicious, but nothing is going to come out of it. Second major issue, minimum public shareholding. This was the big hot potato where the Adani group could have got, got caught because there are finally 13 foreign entities which have been buying large chunks of only Adani stocks. Now, anybody who's like a portfolio investor, these are called foreign portfolio investors, will be buying a basket of stocks, not focusing on 90% on one group. But these 13 entities did precisely that. Journalists have pointed it out in India, even before the Hindenburg report. It turns out that there are 42 investors who are shown as beneficial owners behind these 13 foreign entities. They operate from seven jurisdictions, most of them tax havens, different countries, where you can't ask too many questions. They've invested heavily. SEBI is suspicious. And SEBI has been suspicious since October 2020. But this committee tells us it all had already hit a wall, even before Hindenburg. So what is SEBI still investigating after Hindenburg is obviously the question. Why didn't SEBI manage to complete an investigation in two months like this committee and go and bang a report before the Supreme Court? Don't know. Should have gone there and said we've hit a wall. Anyway, the East expert committee is now giving it an outlet to say, you can go and say that because committee thinks it's a journey without a destination. These entities are in compliance with a new set of rules. Now, this is the scandalous part and the beauty of this entire uh, expert committee report because nobody knew these things or had thought about them. Until 2014, the rules for foreign portfolio managers were very clear. They had to make the final beneficial owner with an economic interest very clear. You could not hide it. Okay. In 2017, after the PMLA, new government and all that, they apparently slowly began to lobby saying life is too tough for us. We don't know what the process was, but from around 2017, if you Google, you will see the noise building up. Little things being opened up here and there. Enough of noise finally to say that life is so tough for them that SEBI sets up a committee under H.R. Khan, who's a former deputy governor of the Reserve Bank of India, comes up with a 65-page report, carefully put out for discussion. Specific feedback is asked from the Reserve Bank of India, investigation agencies, tax authorities. Their comments are transparently put up separately for discussion to say, Checkbox, all these guys who ought to have known what is happening have also concurred with what we are seeing. And what did it do? It just deleted an important clause on opaque structures. So the 2014 rules had said, you cannot have opaque structures. Final beneficial ownership has to be declared. We ask you, you have to tell us. Now, huge gaping loophole because OPEC structures has just been dropped. And because it's been dropped, wherever these 42 companies have declared that we have beneficial owners, and these are the names, some different guys of different nationalities in various places, I'm not even going to get into it, not relevant. End of story, because you no longer ask who, is, who has the true economic interest. So we are compliant with your rules. 
this raises so many questions and the expert committee hasn't discussed them. The questions are these. Who initiated the process of changing the FBI rules in 2018? When the process began with the discussion paper, who wanted it? Was it an instruction from the finance ministry, some other politician? Did it come from the government or SEBI was just very, very sympathetic to foreign portfolio investors and they're whining? Why so much of sympathy for these mega-rich foreign portfolio investors when the government has zero sympathy for the never-ending harassment? Remember, all this is under Prevention of Money Laundering Act and the rules. You want to catch money laundering. So people like you and me with a bank account, nothing has changed. Some of you may be retirees. Some of you are homemakers with a bank account where you're putting some savings. But if you have forgotten to submit for re-KYC your documents, even though you're staying in the same place with no change, your account can be frozen and you're harassed to death, embarrassed, running from pillar to post in a panic. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of complaints. Nobody has any sympathy. Those of you who've been listening to this blog, we have taken this up with the RBI. We have tweeted about it. We've written about it. Nobody gives a damn for us, but foreign portfolio investors quietly whining somewhere. There's a committee. There is a discussion. Important rule just dropped. No need to be transparent anymore. OPEC structures are fine. We don't want to bother with OPEC structures. And now you have the Supreme Court committee saying, hey, chicken and egg situation. You changed the rules in 2018. Adani complied. You don't like it. You're suspicious. Well, just too bad. What can you do? You can't do anything much. But what about us? Don't we want answers? Do you know how many NRIs were had as small businesses went through hell even during COVID because they couldn't submit three miserable KYC documents and their accounts remained frozen? Why this special treatment? Was it for one group? How many other groups have taken advantage of it? Does it end here? What is the way for you and me as ordinary citizens to get answers? Well, there was a way. There was, you could ask questions under the Right to Information Act. You could have sought file notings on the dilution process. You could have asked, give us these files which show who asked for this HR Khan committee, how was the process started, who decided its composition, and why greater consideration to FPIs? Did it go to the finance ministry, same ministry, which is the administrative ministry for SEBI and the FPIs, and you and me as bank depositors? We don't matter. They matter. How can it happen? But the RTI Act itself has been so systematically destroyed that you know we will ask questions under RTI, we will get no answers. In fact, SEBI will go to the high court to challenge even if a fraction of it is allowed. This is what is happening to the RTI Act. Now, members of parliament can ask questions, but those who do not have inquiries opened against them, maybe by the ED or something, would have the courage. And even after they ask a question in parliament, SEBI has something opposite to say to what the minister has said in parliament. In fact, SEBI reports to the ministry, but this is what has happened even on a simple issue like when did SEBI start investigating Adani? So if you're going to ask them about this process, I don't know what kind of answers, but I'm hoping some members of parliament will be responsible enough to at least ask these questions. 
So now the expert committee makes the case that SEBI is just wasting its time going after these 42 investors. But okay, they are clean chit, like I said. But how many others don't we need to know? Now let's go to the third issue, third clean chit, related party transactions. Again, I'm not going to go into details, but in a nutshell, it says SEBI has changed the rules. SEBI now has some specific disclosures that it wants. Lots of things may not have been kosher, like I said early, earlier. But, well, too bad. You can't have new rules and try and hold Adani to a standard when your rules didn't exist in the past. So as of April, when these new rules after a glide path become ap applicable, Adani is compliant. So related party transactions, again, clean shit. You can go after them, but legally not tenable because the committee itself has put out all the legal arguments and saved the Arani group a lot of money on hiring very, very expensive lawyers. I don't know if the legal community is going to like this. Now, look at the careful thinking and legal acumen that has gone parallel to this extraordinary run-up in Adani stock prices, which again has resumed, to ensure that on all counts, they were technically compliant all the time. And look at their tremendous luck, if you want to call it that, that you have an expert committee, which actually makes all these legal arguments in the report that go straight to the Supreme Court. So no in-between, no wastage of time, no regulators, no filing of charges taking four years. Final exoneration is SEBI. So you can't exonerate Adani and say SEBI didn't do anything because SEBI poor thing is working very hard. So since the committee's findings are entirely based on a detailed briefing by SEBI, the regulator is credited with being on the job. It is following up its suspicions and it has yet to conclude that things are all okay. It's still at it, writing to various foreign jurisdictions, still trying to find stuff on related party transactions. So the committee is giving full marks to SEBI and saying on every front, whether it's price manipulation, it had alerts, it looked into it, drew a blank, somewhere else drew a blank, related party transactions, oh, our rules have changed, drawn a blank. Then on minimum public shareholding, well, FPIs don't have to reveal anything, so we have drawn a blank because why we changed the rules ourselves. So, but full marks, no regulatory failure, it's been at it. And it, that it did not realize that all these rule changes were self-goals, committee hasn't gone into that. Don't ask why. Now, where does all this end? Committee report is submitted, but in the meantime, SEBI went there and cried and said, no, 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 we can't finish. We need six months. Supreme Court said, no, we will give you only until August 14th. So we wait and watch what happens on August 14th. If you ask me, there's nothing more to happen. Why waste time? So the market regulator could well say, okay, wind up the probe. Here's what the expert committee has said in line with it. Thank you, sir. We will wind all this up because we have drawn a blank. Why waste time and resources? It's all taxpayers' money. And for all you know, Mr. Gautam Adani may go back to being third richest or why third richest, the richest man in the world based on his stock prices, which have started shooting up again. Finally, my question when I started, this kind of committee, I think you're going to have Corporate India going and saying, please, the next time there is a scandal, no EDCBI investigation, no JPC, please set up a committee. Because when it comes to systemically important investigations, 
This committee has recommended set up a multi-agency investigation committee with a temporary shelf life. I'm willing to bet that shelf life cannot be less than four years. Here in two months, it's all over, gone straight to the Supreme Court, drawn a blank, more or less clean shit, all announced, everything over. So I think CII and FICI and ASOCHAM should probably take representations saying, forget multi-agency investigation committee, let's have similar expert committees appointed each time by the Supreme Court, let nobody else get involved, let them make all the legal arguments, but hey, the legal community may object. They are going to be the big losers. So we don't know what's going to happen. August 14, you and me are going to watch out for it and we will analyze the next installment of what happens. Meanwhile, Adani talk, stocks start soaring again. If you agree with what I said, spread the word. And if you feel angry about what I said, please write to your member of parliament and tell them to ask questions. And those of you who understand RTI, if you need an app, Money Life Foundation has an app, use it and ask questions. And let's at least try asking them. I'm not guaranteeing there may be any answers, but let's do our bit. Thank you.